You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad that you could join us today. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda, and this week's episode is for Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. Uh, for this week's episode, we're, we're doing the long-advertised episode I've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, uh, Incubus's uh, 20th anniversary for the album A Crow Left of the Murder. Very excited to sit down and talk about this record. I love this record. I love Incubus. And it's always great to catch up with old friends. So joining me on this week's episode will be Davis Bench. So it's always great to catch up with Davis to see what's going on with him. I know he loves the band just as much as I do. So it's an extra special treat for us to, to get together and talk about why this record is so awesome. And yeah, I'm looking forward to future episodes of the show. Uh, in case people were wondering, uh, I will be planning to do a Super Bowl episode when the Super Bowl hits. Uh, we know we're going to be seeing the Kansas City Chiefs against the 49ers again. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, I should have to hopefully have my good uh, Super Bowl team with me. Uh, hopefully that everyone can make it for that recording, uh, which will be the night of the Super Bowl. And then later that week, I'll release that episode. But anyways, yeah, I'm really looking forward to future episodes of the show. Additional albums that I'm going to be doing track by track reviews of in the next couple of months, in case anybody was interested in knowing about, would be Soundgarden Super Unknown album, Weezer's Blue album, uh, Stone Temple Pilots uh, Purple album. And the killer's hot fuzz among many others. So, I mean, this is going to be a really, really cool couple of months of the show. I'm really loving these episodes. I hope you guys are enjoying them as well. So sit back, relax. Please enjoy this week's episode. Uh, reviewing track by track. Incubus is a crow left of the murder with Davis Bench. And stay tuned for next week because I decided I'm going to be doing No Doubt's Tragic Kingdom album with my wife, Allison. Of course, uh, the Tragic Kingdom album isn't celebrating an uh, anniversary. I just doing it just for fun. <laughs> But uh, there'll be some other reasons maybe as to why. But uh, yeah, so so stay tuned for next week. And please enjoy this week's episode of the Casting for Fun podcast. Returning to the show with my good friend, Davis Bench. Davis, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very good, too. It's good to see you. I hope you and Yuri are happy and well. Yeah, we are. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. So welcome back to the show. I mean, uh, I recently adopted this new uh, uh, format for the show, which is uh, analyzing albums that I really, really love track by track. And I've, I've since discovered, I, I discussed this in the last episode I just did, but I found out that I can kind of get away with using licensed music as long as it's not monetized. 
So I'm just going to keep doing it until they tell me not to. But I, so far, so good. Like I've been able to use music that technically I don't have the permission to use as long as I'm not earning money from it. <laughs> I like it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're the perfect guest to bring on for this particular episode. I mean, because uh, you, you love the band Incubus just as much as I do. And it's really exciting that we get to celebrate the 20th anniversary of this particular record, Prolift of the Murder. So I'm really excited that you can join me tonight as we do a track by track analysis of this record. Yeah, I'm excited too. I love Incubus, possibly my favorite band ever. Just they're they're great. There's so much to unpack when we talk about them. So oh yeah, absolutely. So before we jump into the the track by track analysis, I wanted to share just a few random facts about the the record, the, the album. So A Crowless of the Murder was first released on uh, February third, uh, two thousand four. So again, celebrating its twentieth anniversary. Uh, it was recorded at the Southern Tracks Recording Studio in Atlanta, Georgia. So I guess a little bit of a, a change of pace or like, you know, leaving uh, the comfort of home for, for the band who previously had recorded in Malibu for the Morning View album to go to a different part of the country, Atlanta. I think that was kind of interesting. And uh, it was produced by mega rock producer Brendan O'Brien, who's done great work with other bands like Rage Against the Machine and Soundgarden bands like that. So uh, well, this, there was a lot of hype, a lot of like anticipation anticipation i think for this particular album do you remember that i mean it wasn't like you know it's kind of crazy to think that 20 years is kind of a way a ways ago but it, in reality it doesn't feel like it's been that long right yeah no it, it doesn't but i do remember when it came out i mean i remember listening to you know hearing the songs first on the radio and just being blown away by them and they're like oh this this is you know such a new sound for the band and all that and then you know eventually buying the the record so I remember very well. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So let's go ahead and jump into it track by track. So starting with track number one, Megalomaniac. Megalomaniac, it's a really awesome way to start off the album. Uh, really heavy hitting. Like the the subject matter is very, very interesting as far as like the time that it was released. So do you remember much about this particular song? It was the first single from the record. Yeah, yeah. I remember it being the first song that I heard from the from the record. Um and when I when it first came out, I had no idea what it was about or anything like that, but I just loved the sound and the build, you know, that in that intro on the guitar it it really blew my mind and then it built to the heavy guitar and and the the singing i think there's a lot of like dynamic to the song so i definitely remember that 
Oh, very cool. Yeah. It, so it was interesting that uh, the time frame that it came out. So, you know, in uh, early 2004, obviously in the previous year, 2003, the band was recording the, the record. Uh, that's also around the time that the United States uh, entered Iraq and the Iraq war began. Uh, under the the Bush administration, so uh, and I, I tend to not really get too political when it comes to stuff like this. I mean, obviously, Incubus and other bands of the era weren't necessarily huge fans of the Bush administration. So uh, I'll leave it up to you for all the listeners. You guys decide how you want to feel about it. But so so technically, yeah, in the music video, there were images of like Bush being kind of painted in a not so positive light. In fact, you know, the title itself, Megalomaniac, you can kind of take what you will uh, with that. But what I was kind of, well, what I found interesting as I was researching this is first and foremost, I don't know if you agree with me, Davis, but uh, a lot of Incubus's lyrics kind of deal with like symbolism and almost kind of like interpretation. It's almost up for open to interpretation, right? As far as like- Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember when it came out, my assumption was that the song was just, like towards a specific person it was more like personal you know lyrics and stuff like that and then I I heard uh more interpretations I don't remember who told me or where I heard it but that it was political and then you know the the music video confirms that I think too so I think there's a lot of levels that you can listen and and interpret just like with any song but especially with Incubus Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, it was kind of interesting that I, I, was, I was researching this podcast. I kind of read that uh, Brandon Boyd had done an interview with MTV and he had actually suggested that the, the megalomaniac is referenced in the song isn't necessarily one individual, but kind of like a, a composition of like multiple things or multiple people. In fact, he even kind of likened it to uh, this is kind of funny. He would mention this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Three Amigos back in the, the 80s with Steve Martin, Chevy Chase. Um, no. no okay so it's a really funny comedy movie it's one of my favorite comedies but basically it's a i'll just give you just a rundown so you kind of understand what i'm talking about here so uh, uh a mexican bandit and his group of you know gang is like terrorizing a small mexican village in the early part of the 20th century so they hire uh c martin and his friends to stop them but they're actually silent movie actors so they're not real professional gunslingers so they don't know how to actually fight uh it's just a comedy really funny stuff but basically so he gives us his passion speech at the end when he finally like you know rises up, up to the occasion to say hey we got to take on this el guapo the name of the villain uh where el guapo could be you know uh shyness or a lack of education things of that nature like that it could be a symbolism of like lots of things el guapo is on his way someday the people of this village will have to face el guapo we might as well do it now in a way, all of us have an El Guapo to face someday. For some, shyness might be their El Guapo. For others, a lack of education might be their El Guapo. For us, El Guapo is a big dangerous guy who wants to kill us. But as sure as my name is Lucky Day, the people of Santa Poco can conquer their own personal El Guapo, who also happens to be the actual El Guapo. And, that, and apparently Brandon's a fan of that movie so much so that he said, hey, uh, your personal Aguapo, what you need to conquer in your life is essentially like a megalomaniac in a sense. And that you basically are telling them to step step off like the song, okay. which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, well, that's extra cool. You had that extra little uh, connection there where where 
you and Brandon both like that same movie, but I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's basically just like an obstacle to, to overcome. So oh yeah, speak. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting too, that at the time MTV wouldn't show the music video during the day, I guess they were under a lot of scrutiny because again, like it could have been just anybody like, uh, uh, saying negative things about the the presidency of the United States at the time. Plus, also at that same time, a little over twenty, yeah, twenty years ago, was the whole incident with the Super Bowl and Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy to think that that was twenty years ago, and MTV had wow. produced that halftime show for the Super Bowl. So MTV as a network was under a lot of scrutiny. So I can kind of imagine, hey, we don't necessarily want to ruffle any feathers. We're only going to show this Incubus music video late at night when people aren't really watching and won't get offended, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't made that connection, but that that's really interesting. Yeah, they were already kind of walking on eggshells, I guess. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but uh, very cool. Yeah, Megalomaniac, I think, was just a perfect way to start out the song. Uh, next, let's go ahead and jump into track number two. This is the title track, uh, A Crow Left of the Murder. So that's a uh, uh, yeah, of the murder. Uh, interesting, really hard hitting, really cool sounding as well. In fact, uh, Davis, I had the random question for you. So before this record came out, did you know that a group of crows together was called a murder? No, I didn't. I only <laughs> learned that after wondering what the name meant and somehow figuring it out. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, in fact, sometimes yeah. I kind of feel like maybe through Incubus, I actually got a little bit smarter. There was like a couple things I didn't recognize or know when I heard some of their songs and it was, oh, that's actually pretty cool. I learned something new. Yeah, so, you have to think. You have to think when you're listening to their music. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So so after doing just a little research and even just giving it my own personal thoughts about the, the song itself. So if they're mentioning like, OK, so it's one crow that's left after behind from that group of crows the murder uh it's signaling out that particular one like it's kind of like maybe indicating in a way like it's a, a crow that doesn't fly with the group that's uh shedding away like societal norms uh embracing one's instincts and individuality as it were so i think it kind of seems that that's the theme that the band was kind of going for with this record uh, would you agree yeah i think so yeah it it definitely you see that with all the songs. So this was just, you know, the title track and it, it just, you know, painted, it, it just like solidified that idea throughout the album. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting to me why choose crows. I mean, are you familiar with like the, the bird, the crow, like 
uh, it, there, there, I guess there could have been a number of different animals in the animal kingdom the Incubus could have chosen, but uh, I do have my theory as to why crows were chosen. That's interesting. No, I hadn't thought about why crows specifically. I thought it was just a clever name that had, you know, a meaning, but yeah, what, what, um, what did you find out? Well, when I, when my initial thought was just thinking like, you know what, like uh, murder actually sounds pretty cool. Like cooler than say like, you know, uh, uh, a whale left of the pod or like yeah, a, a or fish left of the pack. school. Maybe yes. you could have used like a, a wolf left of the pack. That, that one might've sound, sounded kind of cool. So it just seemed to me that for sure Incubus wanted to single out one individual animal. But what I've also read online is apparently crows are considered to be very like cunning and intelligent birds. So that could kind of like uh, symbolize or kind of like represent uh, uh, our potential as humans to be clever and, and intelligent as well, in the sense that if we break away from the norm of society, then we can actually, instead of kind of like following the, the someone else's drum, we're kind of uh, marching to the beat of our own drum, but basically. Right. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, if crows are intelligent uh, animals, you know, it, it could make it difficult to, you know, break away from other intelligent animals. You could, you know, second guess yourself and stuff like that. So it makes sense. It's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. And like we said, I mean, we kind of seem that we're, we're in agreement that the, the crowlets of the murder, it really fits in perfectly for what the band was trying to uh, uh, accomplish in this particular record. So we're going to come back to that with several other songs that we're going to be discussing. Uh, next, let's go ahead and jump into track number three. This is Agoraphobia. So that's uh, agoraphobia. Uh, you know, as I was reaching, researching this, I didn't really find a whole lot of information about the song. I like it. I thought it was a really cool sounding song. Uh, obviously, we know that agoraphobia is the fear of like uh, uh, open public spaces. Uh, and it, it kind of came back when, you know, we got hit with uh, COVID that, you know, the band like recorded the song in isolation and actually incorporated all the parts together. So that was kind of a cool sounding thing that they did for charity. Uh, what do you think of the song Agoraphobia? Uh, was this one that kind of resonated with you when you first heard the album? Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite on the whole album. I like it a lot. Everything from the sound, the lyrics are cool. I love it. It's it's one of those songs that I, I don't ever get tired of. So definitely, definitely up there, maybe my favorite. Oh, interesting. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I was going to ask that. We'll, we'll get to the end. Maybe you can rank like, your favorite songs, maybe like top three from this record, but uh, very cool. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into track number four, which was the second single from the record. It's uh, Talk Shows on Mute.
There we go. So that's talk shows on mute. Uh, that one is definitely one of my favorites from the record. Uh, it, it's interesting to see Incubus's sound continue to evolve uh, as it has from from the late nineties. Which again, I mean, everything Incubus has done, I definitely loved. But there was like the time when they were kind of associated with the the new metal scene, which like you know bands like Corn uh, and Limp Bizkit. And no disrespect intended to those guys, maybe Limp Bizkit, <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. uh, no, it just seemed to me that as a band, they kind of matured, they evolved, their, their sound just really developed. And Talk Social Mute, I think, is actually a perfect example of that. Yeah, I think so too. It's it's has you know a pretty like simple structure to it. Um, it's kind of like a kind of more of a mellow song, but still really interesting. Nothing boring about it. So it's really cool. It def- definitely has more of a, a mature sound, but yeah, it, comparing it to their early stuff, like from science and, you know, those albums, it's, it's much different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, this song also ties into the, the theme of a crow left of the murder. So it was interesting to, to read research on an interview that Brandon had done about this song. This is what he had to say uh, in, in regards to the writing process of it. Uh, I was on an airplane when a talk show began playing on the TV. I decided to narrate for the people, which is a really great game if you're ever bored enough. I realize a, a time will probably come when television will watch us if we're watching it, if it hasn't already happened, figur- figuratively or literally. So I wrote it down. So it's kind of interesting. It, it's kind of a take on like uh, modern society, how we could be like almost like dumbed down by uh, and bombarded with images, things that we're seeing on TV that kind of like uh, almost kind of like become slaves to the TV, as it were. And they even wrote a song about that, you know, Idiot Box, going back to the science days. Uh, and they referenced the, the the novel from um, uh, Orwell's uh, novel 1984, which kind of deals with like the dystopian future of like, uh, how would I describe it? Kind of like a, a mass consumption of media to our own detriment, which is kind of uh, interesting to think about. So this would be an example of like, yes, we should move away from the, the things that could be detrimental to us like, you know, overexposure to to TV programming, particularly programming that isn't really good for us, you know, but I guess it could kind of be up to interpretation as to what's really bad, because some people may argue the things that we love aren't necessarily good for us either. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really cool to think about. So, again, I think it's one of those songs that's kind of like more like, uh, again, the as we mentioned before, kind of open to personal interpretation as to what you would take from it. But uh, but it's interesting just to. The, the final closing line from the song where Brandon says, you're much, you're so much more interesting with the sound turned off. So that, that makes sense. Yes. Talk shows, de- depending on the, the content they're talking about, maybe should be on mute. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of like directions you can go with this one as well with interpretation, just like with, uh, with megalomaniac. Okay. Very cool. Let's go ahead and jump into uh track number five. Then this is beware criminal.
song before I swim oh, we've seen a shark I'd really be more wary of the water you came you saw you conquered there we go that's uh, Beware Criminal another one of those songs that could be open for interpretation for the listener uh, I read some things online some people suggested that the criminal could be someone who's in a, a abusive relationship the abuser is the criminal and mm-hmm. like the person's like looking to uh you know almost like seek revenge against this person like you know beware criminal uh it could even be you know reflecting back to the beginning of the album someone uh a criminal uh in a high political uh, stance maybe i don't know it could be open to a number of different things was this one that struck with you beware criminal yeah as far as the sound the music definitely this is an interesting one as far as what the song is about mm-hmm. i have no idea i've never known what to make of it i i just have no idea but I, all, all those theories that you brought up just now seem really like you know really feasible but i love the sound i love the guitar playing of this song it's oh, really yeah. cool yeah the guitar playing uh uh the bass work as well in fact we haven't actually touched on it too much yet but i mean remember that this is the first record with new bases ben kenny uh so we'll, we'll get to ben kenny a little bit more as well but again uh everything musically just seems to come together so seamlessly and perfect on this album as it has with all Igibus albums but uh yeah when there's a changing of the guard as it were like you know a new person comes into the fold there could be some uh uh I guess a little bit of hiccups, but it just seemed like everything was so seamless as far as the transition from bases, base players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, but speaking of that, speaking of the transition of bass players, so now we're going to come to track number six. This is a uh, six sad little world. And this one's a very interesting song as well. So let's go ahead and dive into this song. we go so that's a six sad little world uh this song it kind of seems like it's dealing more on like the personal side of like issues that the band was going through so i don't know if you know the history super well in fact i don't know if this is even 100 percent accurate but what i heard from another good friend of mine who's a huge fan of the band was that this was supposedly written in response to uh the former bassist uh dirk lance leaving the band is that right that's that's what i've heard as well yeah, I don't remember where I heard that, but that that was my understanding. And it, it, it definitely sounds like more of a personal song. It's it's the first song on the album that I feel like is kind of more personal, not political. 
And so I think that that theory makes sense. Yeah, yeah. In fact, some of the things that I had read on Reddit, which obviously ne may not necessarily be the most like uh, uh, substantial or like reliable sources, but just fans speculating was suggesting that, you know, the lyrics of like, uh, uh, I'm I'm losing touch or I'm, I'm he, Brandon speaking from the point of view of this person who's like, you know, wants to just distance himself from everybody else. Leave me here in my six sad little world. So uh, some people were speculating that Brandon took it particularly hard when uh, Dirk Lance decided that he wanted to leave the band. Uh, so it is, yeah, again, very personal uh, level song. If it turns out that that's the case, which I'm inclined to believe that it is. Yeah. And it would make sense. I mean, they, a lot of the members grew up together and knew each other and were, you know, the band hadn't changed a whole lot, you know, from the beginning. So it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. But then what I want to discuss now is the musical aspect of this song. I mean, this song is just fantastic. How, how lengthy and, and yeah, I use the word like epic to describe it. Just uh, the guitar work that, that Mike does, uh, it's just really unique sounding using the, the different uh, pedal techniques in order to like, alter the the sound of the guitar i know you're you're a music yourself davis so uh, what did you think of that particular section of the song where mikey just goes off for maybe like a minute or two just really awesome guitarists it's so cool um i mean there's the album version and then whenever they do it live it's just they do it differently it they just jam kind of like have a jam session in it like varies wildly what they do during that part and sometimes like i've I've seen versions like watching YouTube and stuff. I think maybe it's the look alive version, I think, but I think they go on for like several minutes. Oh yeah. Those. Yeah. I've, I've had the opportunity to see them perform live and uh, yeah, it's on the actual recording of this record. It's like six and a half minutes, but live in concert, it could be for as long as like 11, 12 minutes with all the, the different intricate parts of the song that Mike adds to. And, and you're right, Davis, like every time you hear it, it's like almost like a different version, which is really, really cool. So this is one that I'm glad that they wrote that they could incorporate into their live sets because it's just fantastic every time they play it. Definitely my favorite live. Oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, too. Um, cool. Let's go ahead and jump into track number seven. This is Pistola. about this song as well it's just like really really uh utilized to like the, the best of like the, the band's abilities and the things that they can uh accomplish while they're recording it's just really cool to hear the distorted beginning uh again mike using more pedals in order to like uh distort and like alter the the sound that's coming out and this one also features a really cool guitar riff as well so uh what did you think of pistola 
again, another song where I I really love the guitar. I love the intro. And this is one of my favorite songs. It's kind of more of like a like simple, like accessible song, I think. And like, you know, during the chorus, it's like almost punk rock a little bit. And it's really cool. Um, I really like the lyrics on, on this song too. Like to, to me, it's just like, you know, Brandon's talking about how it's almost like talking about how he can like express himself in unlimited ways. And that's what I think of when I hear the lyrics, but it's really, really cool. I, I hear there's a lot of musical influences in this song as well. Oh yeah. I was thinking along those same lines, as far as like the lyrical content, like uh, the ability to use words as a weapon, which is kind of cool. Like, uh, so a song, uh, song lyrics from the song that I like, uh, my intention, my bullet, my body, a trigger finger. Uh, so basically his intention or his belief is the bullet that kills. Uh, and his body is symbolically uh, like the trigger finger that's actually pulling the trigger or pu- pulling the, the trigger on the gun to shoot it. Uh, that basically writes with a pen. So the way I kind of interpret it as well is, yeah, that uh, the power of words and the power to use our body and our minds uh, to effective ways can actually be even more deadlier than a bullet. Like, you know, there's the old fashioned saying that says uh, the pen is mightier than the sword. So yeah. again, kind of this one I think also ties into the the concept of the crow left of the murder that we never lose our creativity that we utilize it to the best of our ability use words write poems poems songs things of that nature uh, and then also continue to educate ourselves so thing, things along those lines I think are what the band was trying to convey in this particular song as well which again ties into the concept of a, a crow left of the murder yeah I agree. Very cool. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into track number eight, Southern Girl. Is everything a baited hook And are there locks On all doors If you're looking for An open book Look no further cool so that's a uh, southern girl so pretty straightforward in this one i mean so not not uh leaning towards the concept of individuality like a crowlets of the murder uh not political like uh uh a megalomaniac or or uh beware criminal it's kind of more like just like uh, an ode to uh a fantastic wonderful woman whoever brandon's singing about who may be from the south i mean you know they spent some time in atlanta right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i always get a kick out of hearing that like Southern girl. I, I just never think of that when I think of, you know, someone that, that Brandon Boyd would be into, but I, I always get a kick out of that lyric and it's cool. It's just a, you know, like a sort of, sort of like a love song or like an ode to somebody. It's pretty simple and, and just different. It's kind of like a, a nice, uh, 
breath of fresh air for the album kind of in the middle of it where you get to hear that and and think about you know something different it's really cool Mm -hmm. yeah the placement of the song is very interesting so we just got done with uh pistola which has again like really uh fast fast paced guitarist uh really intricate part of the song we move into something like southern girl very slower and has the really cool line of uh uh, you're an exception to the rule. You're a bona fide rarity. You're all that I ever wanted. Southern girl, could you want me? So just a really cool slower pace, like almost like poetry and motion, as it were. Uh, and then we jump into track number uh, nine, Priceless, which again I think is very similar to uh, Pistola in like the the structure and composure of the song, right? So I think yeah, putting the songs in certain order I think is actually a, a very beneficial thing that I think bands like probably spent hours upon maybe even days deciding okay what order do we need to put these songs in? Yeah. Okay, very cool. So let's jump into uh, track number nine, Priceless. Priceless. So uh, Priceless, I think, is another, I mean, I don't know if this one's open to much interpretation, because I think it's pretty straightforward, like, uh, almost like a, a good old-fashioned revenge song, if you were, like, you know, the, yeah. so someone who's wronged you in the press, and then, like, you know, they get proven wrong, and then they just had, like, that dumbfounded look on their price, and, like, Brandon singing the look on your face was priceless so uh not, not that i want to like encourage revenge too much but there are a couple of times when i kind of got that satisfaction because of uh someone looking the way they did <laughs> yeah yeah no that's a good point i i hadn't really thought about the, what this song means personally but yeah it's kind of just like a an old-fashioned like stick it to them kind of kind of song it's kind of cool yeah rock and roll at its finest so <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, again, I love just how intricate the song is. And I mean, we haven't, I mean, we've been mentioning Mike before, but again, I think on this particular record, he really gets to shine to really show some uh, good stuff on uh, his guitar work. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump into track number 10, Z DeVille. I'm always uh, skeptical if I'm like, am I pronouncing that right? Z DeVille. This, this one's a, yeah, this is a very interesting song. Let's jump into this one, track number 10.
Okay, so that's uh, Z Deville. Again, my apologies if I'm mispronouncing that song title. Uh, what did you think of this song? I mean, when I first heard it, it was kind of a li- little too unusual for me. And I-, I think initially I didn't like it as much, but it has grown on me a little bit more over the years. No, that's interesting. I was about to say the same thing. Um, the first time I heard it, I didn't I didn't know what to think. And I it would be one of those songs I just like skip over. Mm-hmm. But listening to it recently, um, I... I really enjoyed it. I mean, today I was listening to it and I, I genuinely liked it. The It's just really interesting. I, I like, you know, all the band members, all everything that they put into it, but it's kind of cool. I think Brandon really does some cool things with his voice on this song. It's really fun. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point about some of the, the vocal chops he's able to do. Like he hits a really, really high note, high note. Like it's like, oh, wow, he, <laughs> he really hit that note. That's pretty cool. Uh, and I guess the, the lyrics kind of deal with like the, the dangers of uh, commercialism and materialism. Like if uh, you're overabundance of like, you know, he, he was talking about watches, fancy cars, things of that nature. So uh, again, I think that could be another example that kind of ties into the theme of a crow left of the murder where, you know, the rest of society may be deciding, Hey, we need like to be like, have like the social status, like keeping up with the Joneses have like the latest and everything. Uh, whereas, you know, that, that could be very detrimental to us uh, spiritually, mentally, physically of all those things. So again, I think uh, the more I think about it, this song really does tie into the theme that they were going for. But again, just uh, when I first listened, I thought it was just a, maybe a little too unusual or too uh, out there for me musically, but yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay, very cool. Let's jump into track number 11. This is a made-for-TV movie. for tv movie uh very interesting as well this one i think kind of uh, more a lot of symbolisms things of that nature things that, that could be up for personal interpretation it does kind of seem that it's like a, a warning sign to individuals who may be like really lusting after like you know uh uh uh, murder, blood, blood killing, uh, wars, things of that nature, uh, which again was kind of prevalent as to going on in the world. So again, it just depends on where you stand or what your point of view was. But uh, but again, it could be interpreted in other ways as well. Uh, just maybe even like the desensitizing of like violence we see, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I haven't thought of that. I I definitely have always seen this as one of the more straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, songs lyrically um like to me it sounded like you know things like war or things like that but that's a good point like it it really could just be about desensitization and things like that 
So it's 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 one of it's one of my I enjoy listening to this song a lot. It's one of my favorites, I think, on the album, it, and it has a really cool sound musically too. Just kind of like a like a catchy kind of like raw um, sound to it. It's it's kind of fun to listen to. Yeah, it's definitely slower pace compared to Pistola and Priceless, but it's got that like, you know, really heavy, heavy rock sound to it. So it's kind of pretty cool sounding. And again, just another example of the band continue to evolve uh, the way they sound. Uh, cool. Okay, let's jump into track number 12. This is Smile Lines. This one's very interesting too. So it kind of, kind of more like a, a simple nature in its uh, song message because it's kind of talking about like uh, the complexities of like a relationship and even reflecting, like kind of relating it to like high school relationships where you know, like you'll he says the line, uh, "I understand why people say high school never ends." Like you know, if you're you know you're dating somebody or you're interested in somebody, you're pursuing them, you don't know if they like you but maybe they are into you and then maybe they are into you, but you're not so much into them. There's so much like drama that goes into high school dating that it's actually kind of a cool thing in a way. And yeah. uh, maybe even mentioning that as far as relationships go, even after you're out of high school, technically it doesn't end because you still kind of have like that the same kind of like uh feelings, I guess. Right. Maybe for us uh, married, boring, old married, boring guys, it's not the same <laughs> anymore, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like this song again, another kind of just, simple straightforward song as far as like the the lyrical content and what it's about but also there's a lot to think about when you hear the lyrics as well you know you could just be like oh well it's a song about infatuation but also it kind of makes you think at the same time about just the nature of relationships so i like it a lot and it has a cool sound i, I like the chorus of it and um the verse is cool too kind of makes you feel like you're just like kind of floating along listening to it yeah, very cool. Okay, so let's jump into track number 13. This is Here in My Room. Oh 
so that's uh here in my room uh very beautifully composed song so everything about the song i absolutely love so the beginning uh uh keys or piano keys from from mike who he all he played piano on this song he also does the guitar as well and you get the slow intro of drums from jose uh really great stuff from everybody in this song and then and of course brandon's vocals so this is a perfectly crafted song in my opinion i i agree yeah there's nothing this song is perfect it's it's pretty flawless the lyrics are really cool too i i always like hearing that line um if the world would fall apart in a fiction worthy wind i wouldn't change a thing now that you're here that's really cool I love those lyrics, but it's it's a cool song. And also, yeah, it's it's very like piano heavy. I like it. Oh yeah, yeah. This is another song that's really awesome live because we get to see Mike play piano and guitar. So I mean he, he does his, yeah. his, his uh tickling the keys as it were, and then you know stop, stops and able to pick up a guitar quickly and jump right into that very seamlessly. So again, everything about this song is perfect and it fits along the lines of uh uh Southern Girl as well. Just singing uh-huh. about just a, a perfect you know, girl who changes everything in your life, which is really, really cool. And I'm I'm glad that you have that to experience that now, that you have the wonderful person in your life. So good job, Davis. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, very cool. Uh, anything else with Six Ad Little? I'm, I'm sorry. Anything else with uh, uh, Here in My Room? Again, like this is one that I really, really love. Yeah, me too. It's 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 one of my favorite. It's kind of up there with agoraphobia. And live, yeah, everything you said, exactly what I was thinking. Okay, very cool. So to conclude the album, track number 14, this is Leech. So that's the concluding song, Leech, uh, which, again, I think kind of ties into the same concept of like Beware Criminal, kind of like a good old fashioned revenge song or priceless as mm-hmm. well, that uh, the Leech, again, that could be open for interpretation as to who it is. Uh, again, some people online were speculating that that could be more leaning towards like so- someone who's in an abusive relationship. The abuser is like the Leech. And then, you know, Brandon's belting out the lyrics uh the ride's over did you enjoy yourself so like basically saying like i'm done with this i'm, I'm standing up for myself so it kind of if that is the case it kind of we have a lot of like you know highs like you know uh here in my room and then you go back down to the low or if like you know uh uh yes i love you or no i hate you i guess it depends like you know love is a complicated thing so for those who were able to find it and it'd be lasting and great i think it's actually a really awesome thing yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a really good interpretation of it. And it's also funny, as the last song says, like, you know, the ride's over. Did you enjoy yourself? Kind of a funny, ironic way of ending a song with, with those lyrics as well. Kind of not that the song was written for that reason, but it's kind of a, a well-placed, you know, lyric at the very end of the song. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. So, so that's that's the crow left of the murder. Uh, when, you know, when this album came out, I was listening to it constantly. I can remember going to Tower Records and buying it that morning that it was released on February third of two thousand four. Go showing up late to work because I had to have it like immediately on CD, and I still had my old uh, Sony Discman, so I was able to like pop in headphones and walk around the storage facility that I'm still employed at and listen to it. <laughs> so it was just an awesome experience for me to get to enjoy this record and to reminisce about it, celebrating it for its 20th anniversary so where would you put this one davis in the spectrum of like all of incubus's albums oh let's see each one serves its own purpose with with me it always changes it just depends on my mood but i think it's i think it's maybe behind um my, my two favorite albums from them are um light grenades and uh morning view so i think it's right behind those so it's a super solid super great album oh absolutely yeah i think i would kind of put it probably around the same same spot like so yeah make yourself i throw there in there as well but yeah i think it's along the lines of like grenades it's just fantastic great composition great messages and then the more i think about it because initially listening to it i didn't really think too much about the themes but yeah the the theme of a crow left of the murder very much is prevalent throughout the whole record so it made it an interesting listen as I was like researching and like listening to all the songs over and over again to prepare for this podcast. So uh, for those who haven't listened to it in quite a while, I mean, I definitely recommend picking it up or or rather, I mean, everyone's streaming now. So like, you know, open up Spotify or whatever you're going to do to listen to this record. I agree. And listen to some live recordings as well, because those are super cool, especially with some of these songs. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, that's all the talking points I had tonight. Did, were there any other last minute thoughts you wanted to bring up about the record or Incubus in general? No, no. Just, I really love the album. Love Incubus. So it was really fun to talk about it. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me, Davis. Uh, it was great to celebrate its 20th anniversary and, and discussing this album track by track. And uh, grateful for our friendship and grateful that we, we share this passion that we both love Incubus and love this record so much. So thank you. <laughs> Uh, you're welcome and thanks for having me oh you're welcome okay so you've been listening to the casting for fun podcast thank you everybody Bye.